کشمش That's me. Hi. Welcome or welcome back to Filmy Wally Feelings. I am your host Cheshmish here for your filmy quota. As for releases, I've come to a consensus that I will release two podcasts a month. One on the second Monday and one on the last Monday of each month. I have chosen to do this so that I can spend more time working on the heycheshmish.com website where I'll be posting all of my movie reviews. That is coming soon, so stay tuned. Now, speaking of movie reviews, I saw Kalunk and I got some thoughts about it. I mean, I didn't hate it and I didn't love it either, but I have some thoughts. I pretty much said the same thing on my social media pages. Uh, if you don't follow already, please follow me at HeyChashmish on Instagram and Twitter and also Reddit. I'm not going to get into too much detail about it on this podcast because one of our upcoming podcasts will have the theme of partition where Galang will be one of the films in focus. So we'll leave it for that one. And so more details on Galang later. But the next film we are counting down for, thanks to the public vote, is... Drumroll, please. It's Kabir Singh! So honestly, I'm so, so excited about that. Cannot wait. But before that, I and a few fellow friends must watch the OG Arjun Reddy. I've already started watching it, but I'm going to finish it up soon. <laughs> um, a little update on life after getting into the podcasting world. So far, nothing but overwhelming positivity. And I'm loving the new friends I'm making in the podcasting world who have the same interests in Bollywood as I do. Um, shout out to Real Bollywood. That's R-E-E-L Bollywood. Follow them on Instagram and listen to their podcast on SoundCloud if you haven't already. I mean, this is the reason I wanted to begin podcasting in the first place so that not only can I discuss Bollywood, but so that I can discuss it with others as well. And so, without too much further ado, let's move into this week's topic. The portrayal of autism in Bollywood. Okay, so before we really dive into the theme, I want to give a little disclaimer. Language is very important when we handle and choose to speak about sensitive topics. Because I have chosen to speak on this topic, I'm trying to be more aware of the language behind it. So, from this point on, in the podcast, I am not going to use the word normal in the context of a social or neurological standpoint because that word is very, very subjective. I'm working on doing the same in everyday life 
also to improve the language that I use. You can't see me every time I say it, but I have air quotes around it because honestly, sometimes what even is it? So neurodiversity is a worldwide movement happening where we are learning to respect and recognize different neurological differences in individuals. And a person who does not display the characteristics or behaviors of an individual on the autism spectrum is called a neurotypical, which is the word we will be using from this point forward. The month of April, for those who don't know, was World Autism Awareness Month. Blue is an important color for the autism spectrum. The organization Autism Speaks also uses the hashtag and slogan, Light It Up Blue. Like I just said, and am reiterating now, there are various spectrums to autism, so we cannot always homogenize it. People on the spectrum may not understand social cues in the same sense neurotypicals do. Or they may have various repetitive behaviors or become very fixated on one topic. Sensitivity to colors and sounds can also be heightened. Many on the spectrum are also very sensitive to change. But again, all of this depends on the individual. So today, we will look at two individuals in two different Hindi films on two different areas of the spectrum. What I really want to explore and see is, does Bollywood actually give these characters an actual identity or are they only recognized for their neurological differences? This week, our films in focus are My Name is Khan and Burfi. My Name is Khan was released in 2010 and directed by Karan Johar. It stars with all the bias in the world, my very, very favorite love of my life, Shah Rukh Khan and Gajol in lead roles. Some notable trivia about My Name is Khan. Shah Rukh and, Tri- uh, and Gajol both won Best Actor and Best Actress, respectively, in the 2011 Filmfare Awards. It is also said that the detaining scene at the airport is inspired by Shah Rukh's various detainments at airports in the United States due to his last name. (sighs) Shah Rukh, if you ever hear this podcast on behalf of America, I apologize for this embarrassment by airport security. Truly, truly apologize. You handled it so well, though. Solid respect for you. That's why he's the king. So, a brief synopsis into My Name is Khan. Rizwan Khan, aka Shahrukh, um, lives in Mumbai with his mother. He is diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome and gets made fun of by many of his classmates. 
He shares a very, very close relationship with his mother, and sometimes it puts a strain into um, his relationship with his younger brother, Zakir, who is later played by Jimmy Shergill. After his mother dies, he moves to San Francisco, where Zakir and his wife live. He starts working at his brother's company selling beauty products. He goes to a hair salon to sell his products where he meets Mandira, who is played by Kajol. And she is a hairstylist and also a single mom. She is amused by Rizwan and her son Sam also takes a really close liking to him. And Mandira and Rizwan eventually fall in love and get married. She and Sam change their last name to Khan. All is happy and blissful until 9-11 happens. And then a lot of racially charged attacks happen towards Muslim individuals in America. And unfortunately, Sam is also a victim of a racial hate crime and ends up dying. Mandira and Rizwan, although he is unable to express it the same way she does, are both shaken up by this incident. Mandira blames Rizwan for Sam's death because if it wasn't for them changing their last name, Sam may have been alive. She told him to go away and, and then he sweetly and innocently asks when he should come back. And then sarcastically, she says, um, when you have told the president of the United States that my name is Khan and I am not a terrorist. And of course, sweet Rizwan takes this literally and goes on his journey cross country to find the president. And now Barfi was released in 2012 and directed by Anurag Basu. It stars the very talented Ranbir Kapoor, Priyanka Chopra Jonas, and Ileana de Cruz in lead roles. Incidentally, my last podcast had Priyanka and Kajol in it. I guess I really like them. <laughs> no complaints here. Um, so anyway, some notable trivia about Barfi is at the 2013 Filmfare Awards, Barfi won Best Film, Ranbir won Best Actor, and Ileana won Best Debut. Priyanka was nominated for Best Actress, but lost to Vidya Balan in Kahani. I loved Kahani, and I loved Vidya Balan, but... My heart was completely in love with Priyanka Chopra's performance. And I definitely feel she should have gotten the award. Um, also, another fact is that it was also India's entry for Best Foreign Language Film for the 84th Academy Awards. And a brief synopsis of Barfi, it's about, a, about Murphy Johnson, Ulf, 
Barfy. That's what he and everyone around him know him by. He was born deaf and mute. He grows up in a very, he grows up to be like a really mischievous kind of uh, individual. He's constantly being chased around by the local policemen in Darjeeling. It's kind of like a cat and mouse kind of game between Barfy and the police. It's like the cat and mouse cop chase is kind of like a little bit of a Charlie Chaplin kind of way they do it. It's pretty, the way it's done is well done and really cute, like the way the cop chases Barfy around. But anyways, <sighs> he meets a woman named Shruti, played by Ileana de Cruz, one day, and they become friends, and then eventually they fall in love with one another. Shruti is a hearing individual, and when her mother comes to know of her love for Barfi, she warns her that Barfi cannot speak or hear, so their love could end up very incomplete. Abiding to her mother's statement, she ends up marrying the person she was originally engaged to, and then moves away to Kolkata. Meanwhile, Barfi is heartbroken, and to add some more salt to the wound, his father suffered a massive heart attack which needs surgery immediately. So in a haste for money, he kidnaps his childhood friend, Chill Mill, played by Priyanka Chopra, who also happens to be on the autism spectrum. Um, he asks for ransom and then receives it. But by the time he reaches the hospital again, his father is dead. So he drops Chill Mill back home, but she has grown to like him and is now really attached to Barfi. So then Barfi and Jilmil take off to Kolkata, and six years later, Barfi and Shruti's paths cross. And Shruti and Barfi end up rekindling their friendship, which makes Jilmil very jealous. So in a very jealous fit, she calls her grandfather to take her away. And Thus begins another cat and mouse game between Barfi and the inspector, and then Barfi and Shruti's quest to find where Chilmil is, or if she is even alive or not. So let's dive into our characters' lives a little bit more. Um, first, we are going to focus on where on the spectrum uh, our two characters in focus lie. First, we'll talk about Rizwan. Uh, Rizwan's diagnosis was Asperger's syndrome. And this film took place closer to 2001. Um, so... Sensitivity towards the autism spectrum community was definitely rising. And there were also many breakthroughs in discovering the spectrums of autism, which were being made. Uh, early in the film, we knew that he had some form of autism because on his ID card, it 
had autism alert on it. Um, and later he tells us where on the spectrum he actually lies. Though the stigma is less about autism in the States uh, as a whole, not in the film, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but according to my observations, I have seen more awareness being put towards the autism spectrum in the United States. Um, this does not take away at all from the fact that people on the spectrum in the United States or uh, in India or anywhere in the world are bullied and harassed. And this, um, this also doesn't take away from the fact that in the United States, Rizwan is bullied and harassed by airport security. It almost seems like they were mocking him at first. Um, and then also there's the whole other stigma associated with uh, Rizwan. The fact that he's Muslim and then he he's repeatedly saying he wants to meet the president. And then he's saying this. Uh, at in a post 9-11 climate so there's even more of like a stigma associated with people who are Muslim um, at this time so and the airport security of course was portrayed very insensitively and ended up detaining him for some of the stuff he's been saying. But um, a little bit about how he is in life in general, aside from um, what happened to him post 9-11, he definitely seems to be quite self-sufficient and doesn't need assistance very much of the time. Seems he can hold a job in sales, though he is quite honest for a salesman uh, and about the products he was selling. Um, I'm sure his brother did not appreciate his honesty, but someone else did, Mandira, and... Uh, so like he was able to fall in love, create a life for himself, travel cross country. And though they never said it, I am pretty sure he was homeless at one point. And he repaired stuff like cars and he's good at solving word searches and just has hobbies, just like any other neurotypical individual would. Um, now, Chill Mill, on the other hand, her diagnosis of autism was pretty unknown. Um, 
If you haven't seen the film, I apologize for spoilers. But Shruti narrates the story in the future. And the story takes place in the 1970s in Darjeeling and Kolkata. And the term autism never came up unless Shruti spoke about it. And and she was speaking about it in the future. So I'm going to guess this is like 20, 30 years in the future. So there was a lot more awareness about autism probably after that. And from the sounds of it and the looks of it in the film, it was definitely a stigmatized subject matter being autistic. Um, and a lot of the time, most people didn't know how to discuss or deal with it, especially the parents. Chill Mill definitely required more assistance and care than uh, Rizwan did. The time period was also different. So some of the care and assistance available to Rizwan was not there for Chilbill, probably. And um, another observation, uh, Chilbill was also dyslexic. Uh, they, they They showed it without it explicitly being said. Actually, a lot of things in this film, which I found extremely amazing... Is a lot of things you just know without it being explicitly said. Um, well, we found out about her dyslexia when she was teaching Barfi his ABCs, um, and he was show she was showing him um, ABC and. She ended up writing B in reverse. And as this was 1970s, dyslexia probably was not a prominent in many discussions, let alone autism. Um, so I want to talk about a little bit of our characters' characteristics and behaviors. Um, Rizwan, Rizwan often says, um, like, there are a lot of things about Rizwan that you know he doesn't like certain things. So he hates yellow for the first part. Um, anytime he sees yellow, he goes, yellow, yellow, dirty fellow. And then he kind of cringes his head and that just just gets really disturbed when he sees the color yellow. I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to assume this came from his childhood bullying. I looked up this phrase on Google and it seemed to be used as an insult to people, especially when in school. And when Mandira wears yellow once, it triggers him again. And I feel like there's just 
some sort of trauma behind the color yellow, which is unexplained. Um, but I, in some way, maybe implied. And he's also very, very literal. Like, he takes uh, the statement, my name is Khan, um, and I'm not a terrorist. He, he, he took that to heart, like, when Mandera told him that, you know, you go and tell the world, tell the president of the United States, my name is Khan and I'm not a terrorist. And he, he took that statement very literally. Uh, he takes a lot of things very literally. Um, one time uh, he was talking to, he was talking to Mandira and Mandira said something. She was like, oh my God, I'm dying to cut your hair. And then he said, no, 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 please don't die. Please don't die. Um, see, Something neurotypicals would probably use very loosely. He would probably take very literally. And in another scene, he captures the essence of religion very beautifully. Um, when his when he told his brother he was marrying Mandira, and she was a Hindu woman. His brother, Zakir, reprimanded him from, like, for falling in love with a Hindu woman. And Rizwan replied back saying, It's not about the person. It's about the person and not the religion. And he's, he also follows his namaz time regardless of where he is. And I know sometimes based off certain places and certain times, some people won't do their namaz time, but Rizwan is very particular about that. Um, there was a scene in like a bus stop where he just, he was like, oh, he was talking to a couple, a Muslim couple. And he was like, oh, wait, it's namaz time. I have to go. And he's like, and the couple is just like, what are you doing? Namaz is not, um, namaz is not something you do. You have to look at the time and there's a time and a place for namaz and and then he says, it's not about the time and the place. It's about the inherent um, need to do it. Um, it's about the, the niyat. And then he says, uh, something which is 
which I found quite possibly one of the most beautiful scenes in the film, that namaz is not the time and the place. It's about the intention. And then he goes forth and he does his namaz time in front of the entire bus stop uh, without, like, feeling shy or nervous or anything because his intention was just so pure so he i think he really captured the essence of religion in that sense um also some physical uh characteristics he um when he talks to people and walks around, he always has his neck bent a little bit, like slouching a little bit. Uh, it looks like some sort of posture, uh, posture issue. Um, Sharuk in an interview even said that, like, Having his neck that way gave him a lot of posture problems. Um, also, Rizwan hated loud noises. Doesn't like doesn't like to be touched, um, with a few exceptions here and there. Um, and then we also have Chill Mill again, who doesn't like to be touched, especially by strangers. Um, but she will hold, like, the people she trusts, she will hold, like, their pinkies and, or, like, the inside of the pant pocket. Like, somebody will hand, like, the inside of their pant pocket to her, and she'll hold that instead of, like, holding their hand or something like that. Um, so... Not being touched is very similar for Rizwan and Chilmil. Um, she also has uh, her quirks as well. Um, she doesn't really kind of uh, kind of like how Rizwan doesn't like yellow, and his dislike of yellow was very accentuated. Um, like. If if her shoes get dirty, she will be extremely upset. Like she doesn't like getting dirty, and um, you can visibly see it on her face, like the grimace, the way she tries to take the dirt off her shoes. Um, it just makes her very uneasy. Um, She can also, uh, I personally think a lot of it has to do with the improper care that she received from her parents as a child. She can also get quite aggressive around someone who doesn't know her. Like, she can get very physically aggressive, um, start screaming and throwing things. Um, she even bit 
bit Barfy's arm. Like, it's just like, it. I feel like it all stems from kind of the emotional and physical abuse she's been through, through her parents. Because she didn't get a lot of proper sensitive care from them. A lot of the care was provided by her grandpa or the home caretaker who knew um, who knew how to more sensitively and carefully handle her situation without like abusing her. Now, quite possibly my favorite aspect of um, Bollywood in general, the love story between our two uh, main characters. So first it's uh, Rizwan and Mandira. It looked like, to me it looked like it was love at first sight for Rizwan. They had that whole slow motion thing going and the way he looked at her it was very cute the way he, I think the first thing he saw about her was her eyes. And admittedly, her eyes are very, very beautiful. And um, of course, they developed like a friendship, which was very sweet. Um, after he got to know her, he developed um, a very like a, a trust towards her. And one of the defining moments of this trust is when he asked Mandira to cut his hair. Now, for many neurotypicals, getting a haircut is probably not a big deal, but for somebody on the spectrum, it's very intimate and you have to be, you have to trust someone to um, use scissors on your head. Um, so that was like the ultimate telling that Mandira, I trust you. And um, after finding out that Mandira's husband left her, he did a lot of extensive research and he kept saying, he was like, marry me, marry me, marry me. And he said it repeatedly, like many, many times. And it was, you can tell again, that whole fixation on one thing it's just like oh your husband treated you badly so why can't you marry me um like he will dive straight into the fact it's like why can't you marry me um so i mean of course it involves a lot of other factors when you want to marry someone but for him it's very 
simple. It's like, oh, your husband treated you badly. So why don't you marry me? Why don't you marry me? Marry me. And then she, she, she often got kind of irritated. It's like, why do you keep saying, marry me, marry me all the time? It's not that simple. But for him, it was that simple. So uh, again, Barfi and Jill Mills love story was also quite simple. Um, so Barfi and Jill Mill were very uh, like childhood acquaintances and friends. Um, and after Barfi's father dies, he kidnaps Jill Mill. And Chilmil becomes really attached to him. And he also, and she also begins to trust him. And the ultimate test of trust for Barfi is he, um, he cuts down like a tree and he waits for it to fall, but it doesn't necessarily fall on the on them but it'll fall near them so it's like the fall test and chill didn't even flinch and i think that's when barfy realized um his love for chill and then chill also kind of reciprocated in a way it's it's one of the cutest love stories i've ever seen it's like without kissing or any physical sort of intimacy she just like kind of nudges his head and then it's like like a little bambi moment then you just know like these two are falling in love and it's it's really beautiful um i want to talk about their end result a little bit real quick um before we end this segment uh, so before Rizwan meets the president, he ends up getting stabbed by Islamic fundamentalists who were very angry at him for going against their views. He definitely does end up surviving, thank God. And he also ends up meeting President Obama to tell him, my name is Khan and I'm not a terrorist. And he also says his son was not a terrorist either. And he also reunites with his wife, Mandira. And Barfi and Shruti, they do end up finding Chilmil. Ultimately, it was found out that Chilmil's father tried to embezzle money from Chilmil's trust fund. So he orchestrated her fake death. I mean, and... I mean, with parents like those, like, no wonder Chilmill had trust issues. So Chilmill and Barfi eventually get married, and it seems Shruti is the one looking after them both. And Chilmill and Barfi eventually die together in their sleep, peacefully holding pinkies. It's very sweet. So next, I wanted to talk a little bit about how our characters um, 
and their situations feel and relate to our everyday non-filmy world. Um, first, uh, with Rizwan, uh, as we already discussed previously, so I won't reiterate too much of what happened before, um, is religion. Um, we already talked about the namaz time. Um, so um, the next thing that really stood out to me um, was when Rizwan, this was when he was traveling cross country after Mandera basically kicked him out of his life. Um, he was raising money to meet the president because he saw at he the president was going to be at some sort of fundraiser. Um, later, he found out that the fundraiser was like Christians only, and he already had enough money to like buy a ticket and um, like dine with the president. But then the lady was like, oh, this is a Christians only event for starving children in Africa. And if, if that kind of makes you like wince a little or like look a little like, wait, what? Then um, just imagine what Rizwan was feeling at that moment. He's just like, he's probably like, wait, what? Um, and then he said something very, very poignant. He, he gave her the money and he was, and she was like, what is this for? And then he says, for the children in Africa who aren't Christian. And that really hit a note because it's like why are why are you focusing so much on this event like being christians only or jewish only or muslims only um if we are trying to help like a different part of the world Religion, uh, where does religion come into that is my thing. It's, and the film's portrayal of it, um, like we saw uh, with his namaz, it's not about the time and the place for religion. It's about the intention. And that has been reiterated an umpteen number of times in this film. And, and they do so very, very brilliantly. Um, hate crimes and bullying is another um, aspect of society that um, unfortunately neurotypicals also deal with 
and also those on the autism spectrum, probably at a level that um, neurotypicals probably cannot relate to. Um, so the incident uh, which really stood out to me was that detainment scene in the airport where they just kept like grilling Rizwan about, um, you know, it's like, well, what do you know about Osama bin Laden and blah, blah, blah. And Rizwan is just like in his head, in his diary, he's writing, he's like, these guys keep asking me questions about Osama and Al-Qaeda and Jihad and stuff like that. I wish I was more informed so that I could give them a better answer. And, you know, it's just very, very, it sounds so, like, well-intentioned and innocent. Like, and, but the way they harassed him for days in that airport was just horrifying and as um as we've seen a lot um many 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 people are racially profiled at the airports and uh including the king khan himself but like even even people um just who aren't celebrities and are brown or black um, or have some different sounding name often um, get pulled aside for like a special screening or something like that. And I think this has been heightened even more after um, incidents like 9-11 and incidents um, like San Bernardino, California, and stuff like that. Um, so the last thing about Rizwan and my name is Khan and the relativity to our everyday non-filmy world is um, the love between a neurotypical individual and an individual on the autism spectrum. And a, as we know, and as we saw, Mandira is a neurotypical individual and Rizwan is on the autism spectrum. And um, a real life um, love story that was recently in the media, especially in the United States was between uh, comedian Amy Schumer and her husband, Chris Fisher. Now, Amy Schumer is a neurotypical individual and her husband is on the autism spectrum. And there's something similar about Mandera and Rizwan's love story that I found very similar when Amy Schumer talked about her husband's autism spectrum. Um, there are a lot of things that Rizwan did and said um, 
which was very relative to his um, Asperger's syndrome. Like his brutal honesty, his um, his uh, tendency to take things literally. Those are all kind of things uh, Mandira kind of grew to love and ended up really loving about Rizwan. And in the same sense, Amy Schumer also said that the things that set him apart from like the other men she's dated um, and the things like his characteristics and some of the things he says are also kind of what made her fall in love with him. So I thought that tied in uh these two things very well um now moving on to chill mill uh one of the main things which was very very prominent was the child abuse and neglect of chill mill um her her mother literally attempted to kill her in a drunken state now, if this was um, the States, she would have probably been, Chilmill would have probably been in the foster system because there is no way social services would ever let her mother near her child if she attempted to kill her. And many times it's seen that Chilmill goes back to her parents, even though, um, even after, like, the fact that her mother tried to kill her in a drunken state. Um, the next, uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about was just differently abled love. Um, I touched on it a little bit with Rizwan and Mandira, but also just on a larger scale is just see Barfi is not a hearing or speaking individual. He is both deaf and mute. And Chilmill uh, is on the autism spectrum. And um, they don't necessarily communicate much like between each other there's not a lot of communication but there's a lot of like gestures and um just little things that they do to and for each other that you can tell it's just like a love beyond abilities, you know? Um, and we, media often shows us like a very neurotypical and heteronormative portrayal of love. So um, it's very refreshing to see a love 
that's not what, um, not between just two neurotypical individuals or just two straight people. Uh, it's just, just a different portrayal of love, which was important for us to see in both My Name is Khan and in Barfi as well. And the last thing is, uh, we're going to touch on is kidnapping and a little bit of Stockholm syndrome. And okay. So Barfi, let's, let's clear this up in the beginning. Barfi's intention to kidnap Chilmill was purely in need for money. And it was more well-meaning than most kidnappings. But ultimately, we need to talk about the fact that he did kidnap her. He did the whole chloroform thing. Um, and she definitely, um, this could stem from her abuse from her parents and neglect. Uh, she definitely developed some sort of a Stockholm syndrome because. When Barfi dropped her off to her house, she came after him. Uh, so I'm going to relate this to another Hindi film, Highway, where the tagline was literally, in bondage, she found freedom. It was kind of like Chill Mill situation as well, I think. With Barfi, she found this new found freedom that she didn't have. Um, so that kind of, as we know, like, and it's been psychologically analyzed that one can definitely develop like an affinity for their kidnapper and learn to sympathize with them. Um, that being said, this is a film, and the kidnapping was meant to be slightly more lighthearted. Um, and they focus more on the love story aspect of it. And it's definitely... Um, if you get past the kidnapping angle. It's actually a very sweet love story. Um, a lot of people have debated that, you know, uh, this isn't really a kidnapping of sorts because Barfi already knew Chilmill. And again, uh, to that, I want to say many kidnappers Many kidnapping victims have been kidnapped by people they know. Um, so that that's my spiel on that. Um, and now uh, we'll move into our 
last segment before uh, before the end of the podcast, which is my favorite, uh, the songs. And how they did or didn't pull the theme forward. So let's talk a little about the songs of My Name is Condon Burphy. Um, I'm going to name two standout songs from each. Uh, just songs that I feel pulled the theme forward a little more the most. Um, I feel like for both the films, all the songs had a purpose. Um, especially for Barfi, because a lot of things are just there. There's not a lot of words to oh, where the characters express. So the background songs and stuff really helps in understanding the situation more. And also, in a sense, um, with My Name is Khan as well, sometimes music speaks more volume than the words do. Uh, so one of the songs that really stood out to me in My Name is Khan was Tere Nena, where um, Rizwan is sort of realizing his love for Mandira. And it's really innocent and sweet. Um, and uh, just kind of culminates to how he felt when he first saw her, like, I think, as I said before, I think he noticed her eyes first. So that's why this song is so significant for the blooming of their love story. <laughs> I just found like the mannerisms and the the way he was a little shy, tried to avert gaze with Mandira was also really cute. It's just very sweet and innocent kind of portrayal of love uh, between Mandira and Rizwan. Right now it's like in this segment of the song, it's very one-sided. Uh, but ultimately, in the end of the song, it's just kind of... Not only does he realize... Like, not only does he have love for her, but he also has trust in her to cut his hair, which is a very important aspect um, in someone on the autism spectrum's life being able to uh, have someone touch you and cut your hair like that. Um, so I, I thought that song was very significant. Um, and then 
the the final song I wanted to talk about in My Name is Khan is the song Nure Khuda, which really sheds light on um, the religion aspect of the storyline. So I personally feel that the movie was divided into uh, Rizwan's autism and the religion aspect. So the song Nure Khuda, and I talked about the scene many times throughout this podcast, but I'm going to say it one more time when it's when he was talking to that Muslim couple at the bus stop and he talks about how religion, uh, about like namaz and how it's not about the time and the place, but um, it's about the intention or the niyat, uh, as he says. And I thought this particular portion of Nure Koda was just chills. Um, so I'm going to play that part for you. So that particular portion of the song was where um, he was doing namaz in front of the entire bus stop. And it was kind of like, just like the way Shreya Goshal in the background was singing and the way he just did it so purely so it's just so well-intentioned that it kind of like really brings you to a very emotional point and I'm not I'm not like a particular follower of any religion but I understand like the meaning of religion for certain individuals and this particular scene just encapsulated it it just like the beauty of religion was captured in that one little scene as for barfi um two songs which really stood out to me were uh the song Kyun and the song Pirle Ayadil. And both these songs happen post Shruti, um, like Shruti and Barfi. And Kyun, the song Kyun happens when kind of Chill Mill is when she's dropped off at. Uh, her house after the post kidnapping and then she ends up following Barfi and it's just that 
kind of attachment she kind of develops towards Barfy, it just starts and thus begins the a new kind of chapter in their life. And in the other song that I thought was a very kind of emotional song was the song called Pirle Ayadil. It was, there's something about expressing to someone that you love someone without using words that just really just gets to me. And I just found that scene so beautiful. It was when um, Barfi and Shruti had rekindled their friendship. So Barfi came, uh, so he brought Shruti to his house and he got, he said he wanted to introduce Shruti to someone. So he's just like, wait here. And then he got Chilmil dressed up and ready. And then um, Shruti asks, it's like, are you married to her? And like by pointing at the ring finger. And he's just like, no, but it's just like my heart. I love her. He just like makes like a heart with his hands and it, that's just I don't know like that was like such a beautiful declaration of love and that's when kind of Shruti realized that her love with her um, hearing and speaking husband was kind of incomplete and It's kind of like she realized, well, well, damn, I'm missing out now. <laughs> but uh, I just, I just thought that song, that part, that part especially of the song was really beautiful. <laughs> So yeah, that's my take on a few of the songs with which from Barfi and My Name is Khan, which correlate to the theme that we're discussing today. Um, I, I thought, I mean, I'm not trying to give a music review, but I thought both Shankarishan Loy for My Name is Khan and Pritam for Barfi did a magnificent, a magnificent job in 
creating the score and and adding like the necessary emotion needed in the songs to kind of convey things that our words can't really say many times. And with that, I am moving into my final tunnel vision perspective. Um, so both of these films, I really enjoyed re-watching again. Um, there are just so many beautifully portrayed characters in each film. Uh, many of us, we have grown up in a very neurotypical world, whether it's school, work, just or every day, just going to the grocery store kind of thing. So sensitivity to other neurological differences is only kind of a recent phenomenon, and it has quite a bit of lengths to go. Uh, organizations like Autism Speaks makes neurotypicals more aware of not only the behavior of individuals with neurological differences, but also the ability to recognize their own. Sometimes all it really takes is a change of perspective. We often think oh, well, they are different from me. But when you switch the perspectives, it becomes, I am different from them. Because why should they always be different from you? I personally think the approach of othering a person or a group of individuals is wrong. And often we end up othering someone when we lack knowledge and awareness. This is the same way Chilmill's parents kind of othered her by not understanding her better and trying to get her kidnapped and killed and attempting to kill her. And this is also the same way Shruti's mom othered Barfi by calling him incomplete and unable to give love the same way a speaking and hearing person could. And this is the same way Rizwan was detained at the airport and exiled from Mandira's heart. And yes, Mandira was experiencing a massive grief but she was completely unaware that Rizwan was too, and only he couldn't express, his, express it the same way that she could. And that, my friends, is called neurotypical privilege. Her frustration with his Asperger's was very evident when she was angry at the world for taking away her son. She didn't blame the white kids who killed her son. She blamed Rizwan for his last name. It all happens because of the lack of awareness. 
Karan Johar's portrayal of Rizwan may be a little far-fetched, but to me, it was never problematic. I think we personally need films to show not just the struggle of a man with Asperger's, but what this man can do and how capable he can be, how magnanimous he can be. We need the world to see the things that people think set him back are what can actually move the world forward. We need films like Barfi to show us that despite the adversity Chilmil has faced from the neglect and abuse of her parents, she was eventually able to thrive with nurturing and guidance with the environments that Barfi and Shruti had created for her. And ultimately, both of our stories and both of our individuals had one of the biggest things in common, and that is love. Rizwan's philosophy stemmed from the concept of love. His expression of love was grand and taken at the most literal sense. And from the start, all Chilmil needed was love and a little bit of nurturing, which she eventually found for the rest of her life with Barfi. And not choosing Barfi from the beginning ended up being Shruti's biggest mistake because she rejected love for a social status. These movies have shown us that despite our differences, ultimately all we really need is love. And thus this ends my rant, which is now over. If you ever want to discuss the topic even further, please, Please give me a shout out on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit at the handle HeyJeshmish, or please email me at HeyJeshmish at gmail.com. So the next podcast is going to air on the 27th of May. This is going to be my Mother's Day special podcast where we focus on some pretty amazing moms in Bollywood. I will be watching English Finglish and Secret Superstar. So feel free to watch along with me. And until then, uh, stay tuned and stay filmy.